Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to DNI Spy. We're recording live at the Include Summit today from Manchester in England. And the Include Summit is the number one conference for diversity in sport. I'm Dr. Julie Humphreys, and for this episode, we welcome Catherine Albany Ward. Catherine is a CEO of an organization called Color Blind Awareness. Um, this is a non-profit advocating for inclusion for people with color blindness. And welcome to you, Catherine. Thank you, Julie. So tell us all about your organization and why you're involved. Um, so Colorblind Awareness was set up about 12 years ago because I found out by accident that my son was colorblind when he was seven and it was a sporting situation which made me realize he was colorblind um, because he changed schools and they had a reversible top for PE and he couldn't tell the difference and they played sport every day and every day was put in a situation where he didn't know who he, who was in his team that day and it really affected his confidence. Yeah. And we didn't know he was colorblind because the colors weren't red and green, uh, which may have sort of given me an indication. I didn't know it was in my family. And was it when, hereditary then? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, it yeah. passes from father to daughter mainly, but not only on the X chromosome. So it affects a lot more males than females. So 8% of men, like one in 12, no. boys are affected. But only one in 200 women. Wow. One in 12. Wow. I did not know that. No. So it's one in every male football squad, for example. Uh, One in every co-ed classroom. And when I set the organisation up, there was no information anywhere for people like me. I didn't realise that children aren't screened in school anymore. I didn't realise opticians tend not to screen either because it's not part of the NHSI test for children. So basically set up. Uh, initially a, a website as a sort of repository of information for people like me because I was finding it all for the first time and it was quite difficult um, and then I started to try and raise awareness in education um, and basically it's just grown from there so about I don't know seven or eight years ago there was a Champions League game on the TV and my then teenage son came downstairs and said Wait. Right, let's turn it on. He timed it perfectly just before kickoff, put the TV on, and then he just stared at it. His face turned to thunder, said, what is the point? Turned off the Mm. TV and then teenage file stomped off to his bedroom. And I thought, whoa, I've missed a trick here. (laughs) Sports, I'm doing education, I should be doing sport because that will spread the word quicker. And I contacted a UK organisation called Level Playing Field and they had a European arm. And they said, can you come and speak at um, our conference in Paris, where I then met FIFA and UEFA. And it just went from there. So um, we've been doing a lot of work in football ever since then. Uh, We now also work in rugby as well. So we wrote the first guidance documents to football in the world. Um, And is that for sort of grassroots level? All the way through. All the way through. Um, And we've just completed a three-year project funded with the EU um, and our partners were the Portuguese FA, um, Icelandic FA, Romanian FA, 
a Danish Super League club, Oxford University and a European club network called EFDN. And one of the main elements he wanted to research was to get people more aware of the impacts at elite level as well as referee. Um, so we basically approved the prevalence of colorblindness in elite footballers, one in every male squad, but 6%. And what that means for football and for other sports as well is that 25% of colorblind people are dropping out of the system from grassroots through to academy mainly because coaches don't know how to support them and because they're not being identified for yeah. reasons I've said. So so how can they? Are. How can coaches support and how can clubs support their participants, I suppose, who do have I, colour blindness? I think the first thing to do is to accept that what I'm saying is correct. <laughs> the statistics are true. Yeah. Um, it's, they're well documented over many centuries, uh, many decades, not centuries, um, how many people are affected. Yeah. And... Um, those players are there and they hide themselves because they don't want to stand out because yeah, no. obviously especially the higher up you get in sport the more likely you are to potentially get dropped um if you perform badly just because you can't tell colors apart so the first thing to do is accept those players are there even if you've never been able to identify yeah. them. and then please look at all the resources on our website that will show you with simulations mm. what it's like to be colorblind and how colorblind people can't see orange and red cones on grass, for example, or tell your training bibs apart if you use the wrong colors, um, and what kits combinations work and which kit combinations don't work. So is all is all colorblindness the same then, or are there different types of colorblindness? The different types and severities, but okay. the statistics that I've given you are for red-green type. Red-green. And that's a range. So you can either have a red deficiency or a green deficiency. And um, it can range from severe to mild. So some, not everyone sees the same way, even though yeah. they've got red-green colour blanks, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, so there are different, obviously red and green get mixed up by people with colour blindness, but what people don't really appreciate is that red and black can look the yeah. same. So the referees in black and your outfield team is red. Right. Um, colour blind players pass to the referee by accident. It's yeah. well documented. Um, so... In order to really understand it, you need to see the simulations, and that's what we provided a lot of on our website. Oh, right. Once okay. you've seen the simulations, you start to get it a bit more. And then we've also got um, now lots of other video resources where we've interviewed retired players who are happy to talk about it, although currently playing players at all levels don't want to speak up. I know of three Premier League managers who've been colourblind in the last five years. One of them will not acknowledge it you know it won't he won't admit it uh the other two one's uh spoken about it and the other one did and there's now stopped talking about it oh, right. so it's you know like, even at that elite level yeah. people don't want but want their career affected so they and they think the career will be affected yeah then yeah okay and if somebody has um as you say you, your son had it um it first diagnosed how would they get a diagnosis for for their child if they're they think they might be colorblind. Um, it's really quick and simple. Um, and it's a test known as the Ishihara test. So the older people who are listening probably had it as a matter of course at school. And it's a book with um, uh, numbers made in different colored like Yeah, bubbles. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. In, a, in a circle of <laughs> yeah. different color. Yeah. So if you can't... You steal that then? Yeah, yeah, that's oh, the wow. most accurate test. Um, um, so it's really quick to screen um, 
children or adults with that. So um, that's what we're still using to screen even at elite player level. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. because it's it's so fast and, yeah. and it's so accurate. Um, and you have to ask for it if you're having an eye test with an optician because they don't do it as a matter of course. Yeah. Um, but it's that simple. But the best thing is if you're a coach to set up your um, coaching sessions in such a way that you're not going to exclude people, then you don't need to know who they are. You yeah. just are not excluding them. And it's it's all common sense, pretty obvious, straightforward things that you can do. It's just lack of knowledge means that people don't do that. Yeah. And, and give us a couple of examples of what they could do then. So uh, I know it might have a cost implication for smaller organizations, but don't use red and orange cones on the grass uh, or uh, colored balls. Mm -hmm. Use white balls. Um, make sure that your line markings are white or yellow on grass. They're just simple things like mm -hmm. that. Uh, and if you're using bibs, um, use yellow, blue, and white initially um, because all of those colors can easily be seen. And in kits for games, if you've got an outfield kit that's a dark color, so that by that I mean anything that's not a pastel color, um, then you would need a light-colored goalkeeper kit and a light, if you have an away kit, a light-colored away kit, then you can work around all the different options that way around. Yeah, well, it's fascinating talking to you. Thank you so much for talking to us Sorry. today, Catherine, and apologise if there's any um, noise. Um, as I said at the beginning, we're at a live conference, so uh, we're not normally in a, not, not in our studio, which we normally are. So thank, but thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. Bye to you. You can find us on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes below. And if you've liked what you've heard, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to get new episodes automatically. Thanks for listening.